Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. Grab your Bibles with me if you would, please. Turn to Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 11. While you're turning there, let me just set the stage. I know they were wrong, okay? So let's just start with that. They were wrong, but has anybody ever accused you of being stubborn? Like, I know they were wrong, right? Anybody? (laughs) Anybody ever been a liar? Anybody, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Like, there's these moments where you just go, I don't want to change my mind. I don't want to do this different. Like, I can have a tendency to get, to get in these places if I'm tired or grumpy or hungry or something. Like, that. I don't want to change my mind. And sometimes Rhonda or, or my kids have to help me, you know, a little bit to change my mind. And it's, it's hard to change my mind because I'm always right. Anybody else? Like, it's just, it's just kind of difficult sometimes. We're going to look at a story today, Acts chapter 11, where some people had to change their minds. And the process that God had to take them through um, to see things, to think about things, in a way that was new, in a way that was different. Last week, we were privileged to have Dr. Wave Nunnally with us. Did you enjoy that last week? That was just some awesome teaching, and uh, he's an incredible uh, just teacher and expositor. That's why I feel so inadequate today. And that's, um, that's why, like as you look at Scripture, he walked us through last week, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, leading up to Acts chapter 10. What's interesting about Acts chapters 10 and 11 is that it tells the same story. It's like it almost tells it three different times because you have what happens in the first part of Acts chapter 10. Then Peter and Cornelius, who are kind of the two main players in this story, retell what happened to them later in Acts chapter 10. Then you have kind of the the core of the story. Then when you get to Acts chapter 11, Peter tells the whole story one more time. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 11 today, and that's where we're we're just going to walk through the first half of Acts chapter 11. We're going to take this long story and kind of look at the short version of it and make the long story short. We'll look at what Peter says here. We'll go back and forth a little bit between some of the other chapters that we've looked at. But I want you to, to keep an open mind today to what the Holy Spirit might be speaking to you about as we go through this. Acts chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. It says, The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Now, this, is, this is bigger, I think, than you and I can possibly understand this. The, the apostles and the believers that we talk about here, they were all from a Jewish background. They, they had Judaism as their religion. It was a part of their ethnicity. It was a part of their heritage. And now they've heard that the Gentiles also have come to faith in Jesus Christ. This is earth-shaking. Like, like, even if you just start to think about the, the different times when you think of someone who might be different from yourself. Sometimes we think of somebody who's different from us just because they're, they're very much our opposite. And we kind of just look at them and go, well, they're, they're just not like me at all, and so I don't connect or relate to them. You know, there's just some people that you just don't have any chemistry with. You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, it's not a bad thing. There's just certain people who are just like, yeah, they're just different from me. So I don't, I don't feel like there's a connection there. Take that a whole nother level. I mean, oftentimes, I heard you say Steelers fans, and that's not from the Lord. That is not from the Lord. We're going to talk about exorcism one week, brother, and I'm telling, okay, so let's go on. I'm listening. Just know that. Um, so here's, here's that, that's not from the Lord. So take it one more level, all right? Take the idea of, of racism. Like, we've talked about this in the past. That's a whole other deeper level because you look at someone who's, who's different from you, maybe by skin color or nationality. 
Take it a whole nother level. And sometimes we, we put people in different spots because of their religion. Maybe they're a whole totally different religion than we are. Or maybe they're even another kind of type of Christianity. And so we put them in a different place. Take that even one more level and think about people's history. And they have a different background. They have a different story. When you think of the divide between Jew and Gentile, it wasn't one of those things. It was all of those things. They were different. They were different as people and practices and customs. They were different in their ethnicity. They were different in their religion. They were different in the history. In fact, at this point in time, the Gentiles were actually opposing the Jewish people. They were holding them almost as, as slaves. They held all the cards. They had all the power. And so to the Jewish people, there was nothing more repulsive than a Gentile. And now they've heard that the Gentiles have received the word of God? Look, this is a game changer. It's a big deal. And why this is so important is because this chapter is gonna crack open for the Jewish people just how big God's heart is. And the whole rest of the book of Acts is the course of it's gonna be determined by what we see in chapters 10 and 11. Let's go to verse two, Acts chapter 11, verse two. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Just a little helpful here with some vocabulary. When we see the term circumcised, we're speaking of the Jewish people. When we see the term uncircumcised, that's how they would refer to the Gentile people. And they're saying here, Peter, what were you thinking? You're a Jew. And Jews don't interact with Gentiles. And Jews certainly don't go into the house of a Gentile. And a Jew is never going to eat with a Gentile. What were you thinking? And what's interesting, and, and we'll see this again in a moment, if you remember from the last few weeks, what we've seen is Peter, who was in Jerusalem, goes to the west to a place called Lydda. Dr. Nunnally showed us this on a map last week. Do you remember that? He went to Lydda. From Lydda, they go to Joppa. From Joppa, then, they go north on the coast up to Caesarea. You've got all this travel that's going on. And in the midst of this, after Peter does this loop, he ends up back at home, back with his homies, right, back in Jerusalem, the headquarters, with those that believe like he does. He gets home. He's excited by what God has done. And what are they? They're critical of him. They begin to criticize what's happening. Peter didn't do anything wrong. In fact, he was on the leading edge of what God was doing, and people's response to him is that they were critical. Have you ever had that happen? where something new or good or healthy is happening in your life and other people, maybe even those the closest to you are critical of that thing or critical of you. Anybody? How many of you just love criticism? <laughs> I hate it. Like even when I know I'm doing the right thing, even when I know I'm making the right decisions, even when I know I'm, I'm lined up in my life with God's word, when you say something critical of me, it hurts. And so for Peter, there's this moment where people are critical. And I think this is good for you to know, especially if God is doing something in your life. There will be times when criticism may come. Here's why. It's easy to be critical of what you do not understand. It's easy to be critical of what you do not understand. How many times have you maybe talked to your kids or talked to a friend and you say, hey, have you ever eaten this or eaten that? And they say, no, I don't like it. I hate that stuff. It's not good. And then you say, have you ever tried it? And they go, no. <laughs> well, how do you know? 
How do you know you don't like it if you never tried it? Because it's easy for you to be critical of something that you do not understand. People who have not had your experience, people who have not had the encounter that you've had with God, it's going to be easy for them to be critical. So, so just know this. If you're growing in your faith, if you're moving forward in the things that God has for you, not to be a downer, but maybe you can expect some criticism. It happened to the best of us. There will be times when people will not understand, and what you do not understand, it's easy to be critical of, but do not let the criticism stop you. Here's, here's why I think it was so easy for the individuals that we read about here. They weren't bad people. They were followers of Jesus Christ. Why, why was it that it was so easy for them to be critical? I, I think maybe this is from personal experience. I think it was easy for them to be critical because they wanted to be right. Because if Peter was right, if the Gentiles could also receive the word of God, that meant that there was something about them that either was wrong or that had to change. And I don't like to be wrong, and I really don't like to have to change. Anybody? And so for them, the protective thing was to go, I'm going to keep things the way they are. I do not want to be wrong. I want to be right. And so they put up their guard, and they become critical, and they missed out on something. There will be times when I will want to be right so bad that I might not want others to be right with God. And that's what this story is, right? They wanted so badly to be right about what they believed that they didn't want others who God loved, who God created, who God cared for. They did not want them to be right with God because they wanted to be right themselves. Does that make sense? Here's, you, you gotta drill down on this and see this. People are God's priority. That's, he created people. He loves people. We'll see this in a minute. It doesn't matter who the people are. People are God's priority. Now, though, that, know this. I think this is really important when we talk about changing our mind and when we talk about being open to things. Look, God is not soft on sin. God's word is very clear about sin. He doesn't overlook it. He's not soft on it. He calls it out. And whenever Jesus encountered someone in sin, he would let them know, here's grace for you. Now go and sin no more, he would say. Look, I want to change your heart. I want to help you to live according to my word. But there was nobody that he pushed away because people are God's priority. And when my desires, when my thoughts, when my preconceived ideas become more important than how God feels or cares about other people, maybe that's something I need to pay attention to. When you can't see past your prejudice, and that's what this was here, and I don't mean just prejudice in the sense of racism or ethnicity, in any way that you put out there, when you can't see past your prejudice, that's a red flag, isn't it? And so this is so important. These people are critical of Peter. Peter, who saw this firsthand, saw what God is doing. He now is in a certain sense on the, on the defense. He's got to explain this. Watch what happens. Acts chapter 11, verse 4. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa, watch this word, praying. And in a trance, I saw a vision. I, I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. And then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. And the voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven 
again. That's an experience, isn't it? I mean, that, that experience that Peter had where God so clearly had to get his attention, had to show him something, had to kind of change his mind. And last week, Dr. Nunley kind of unpacked why so many things there were so significant. We won't go back to that. But I thought of that experience because I, I read a lot this week, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 11. And you, you see in that passage how clearly Peter is communicated with from God. He has this dynamic spiritual experience. And then Cornelius, we'll, we'll see this in just a moment, has this dynamic spiritual experience. And I'm reading this and I'm going, God, I'd love to hear from you. God, I'd love to have you just so clearly direct me, so clearly guide me. Now, I'll tell you, these are extreme things. But as you read through the book of Acts, you see that so many times Peter and the other believers were so clearly directed by God. God was able to lead them in supernatural ways. And I say to myself, God, I want supernatural experiences. God, I want stories to tell. God, I want to hear clearly from you. Anybody else? Is it just me? So I say to myself, how does this happen? Let, let me point out a couple of things here, both about Peter and then we'll get to Cornelius here in just a minute. But know this. When, when God was able to speak to Peter, it tells us that Peter was already praying, doesn't it? It says it was about noon, and he was praying. He put himself in a place, and I think this is what's significant even about coming to church at times, spending time in God's word, listening to worship music, putting yourself in a place. There are times when you have to put yourself in a place where you can hear from God, and Peter was praying. Now, God had to get his attention. He had to drop the sheet, show him the animals, call him out. The whole thing had to happen. But Peter was already in a place where his heart was open and he was hearing from God. You may have to give God your attention for God to get your attention. You might say, boy, I sure wish God would get my attention. I sure wish God would communicate with me. I sure wish. And sometimes you got to put yourself in a place where you give God your attention for him to be able to get your attention. Does that make sense? Like, sometimes I might think, hey, I, I want to have a conversation with my kids. I want to have a conversation with Rhonda. But if I'm constantly either in front of the TV or looking at my phone, how's that conversation going to go? Right? If I want to have that conversation, I have to be in a place where I can have the conversation. You may have to give God your attention for God to get your attention. Be in a place where you can hear from him. And, and then it's interesting. It says that, that God says to Peter... Do not call impure anything that God has made clean. Look, Peter had to change his mind. He had to be willing to think differently about something. And it was lined up with God's word. It was lined up with God's spirit. It was focused on God's love for people. Like, these are all important things. But somewhere, Peter had to change his mind. He had to get a different perspective. He had to hear what God was saying. And let, let me just kind of encourage you with this because you'll go through different things in life sometimes and just kind of go, I don't understand why this is going on. Know this, in order to think like Jesus, you may have to stop thinking like you. Anybody? <laughs> in order to think like Jesus, like I, I had this happen just this week. Like I, I sat down and I was reading my Bible for a few minutes and I, and I was going through kind of the Bible reading plan that I'm using this year and I was reading a chapter and I'm reading and all of a sudden I got to this, this one part and, and I, was, I was in a place like where I could hear from God, right? I'd slow down. Not for long. It was just for a few minutes, but kind of this discipline that I'm trying to put in my life. So I sat down and I'm reading and all of a sudden I get to this verse and I felt the Holy Spirit go, hey, Chad, you're not living that. Chad, this, this is something you need to take to heart. 
Chad, this is something that if you're going to think like me, you have to stop thinking like Chad, which again is difficult because I'm always right, remember? (laughs) And there are these moments where I got to go, okay, God, I need to hear from you. I need to view this through your perspective. I need to see this how you see it. In order to think like Jesus, you might have to stop thinking like you. Next verse, Acts chapter 11, verse 11. I love this part. Right then, those words are so key, verse 11. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. Those words right there are so powerful. He says, right then. He's saying, look, God knows how to line things up in our lives. Things that we're looking forward to, things that we're praying for, things that come to us that just don't seem right, or the timing's not right. They might even seem painful or lost or tragic, or they might seem wonderful and victorious. There are these moments when things come, and maybe we understand it, maybe we don't. Maybe we recognize it, maybe we don't. But just know this, God's timing is perfect. That God knew just how to line this up. Peter has this vision, and it says right then, as he's having the vision, God does something else, that these men show up, from Cornelius in Caesarea. We'll see this here in just a moment. It's about a day and a half. It wasn't just, I mean, it took them time to get there. They didn't just kind of cross the street at the right time. God sent them at the right time. They showed up at the right time. God lined it all up. In fact, look at this in verse 19 of Acts chapter 10. When when the story's being told before, it says, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them. For I have sent them. Look, God is in control of the very details of your life. And this is so good for you to know. Be reminded that God is working behind the scenes. God is working behind the scenes. Even in places that you can't see. Even in things that you don't understand. God is working behind the scenes. And so if you're looking for a change to happen in your life, know that God is setting the stage. The other thing that has probably happened today is you have probably already jumped from the changes that may need to happen in your life to people in your life who need to change. Anybody? Have you already gone there? I'm pretty good with God, but let me tell you about so-and-so. Sure hope they're listening to this sermon. Boy, do they need to change. And there's these times when we have these thoughts And you might even get to a point where you you start to be frustrated or discouraged, and you start to wonder, is this situation ever going to change? My relationship, my marriage, my friendship, my job, is this ever going to, is this person ever going to, are they ever going to open up to the truth about Jesus Christ? Are they ever going to start responding to situations differently? Are they ever going to, and realize that even in those moments when you get frustrated and you wonder about things, know that God is working behind the scenes. He's lining things up. He has a plan, and you can trust him. And and know this, too. I I think this is really important, and we'll we'll get here in... um, in just a few moments, and we've been here before as, as we've looked at this, but be careful not to mistake the hand of God for coincidence. It's not just a coincidence that these three guys showed up at the same time that Peter has the vision. It's not coincidence. That's the hand of God. God's directing that. God's moving that. And I think far too often there's things that happen in our lives and we don't realize, we don't stop to pause. That's actually God working in us, working through us, setting the stage wanting to put us in a place where we can see him at work in our lives or even through our lives. Look, don't mistake the hand of God for coincidence. 
Now, don't go too far with this. Not everything that happens to you is the hand of God. Like sometimes you might be walking down the store in the grocery store, you look over and you see right on the end cap, Oreos are on sale. That's not necessarily God. Right? Don't just stop there and like, praise God. You know, you buy Oreos, God wants me to, and you get the gallon of milk and you go home and have a worship experience, right? That might not be God. That's just, Oreos are on sale. Praise God. But don't, don't sell short what God might want to do in your life and the way that he's lining things up. Don't mistake the hand of God for a coincidence. And there's, there's this other thing too. Like, let's go back to this thought. Some of you are going, yes, I want to hear from God. I want to be right on the, on the front edge of what God's doing. I want God's work to be done in my family and in my workplace and in my life and in the ministry that he has for me. I want to be used by God. And you hear this about visions and dreams and angels and divine appointments and all this. And you say, God, that is what I want. Go back and watch the progression of what happens to Peter here. But we're in chapter 11, right? Go back to chapter 9. We were here a couple weeks ago. Remember when we talked about legacy a couple weeks ago? We, we were here when we talked about this. Peter starts out in a place called Lydda. In fact, we read this, Acts chapter 9, verse, verse 32. It says, as Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. And, and these passages tell us about a miracle that happens in Lydda. Then, six verses later, you get this in verse 38 of Acts chapter 9. Lydda was near Joppa. It was about 12 miles between Lydda and Joppa. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Do you remember this story? That, that lady Tabitha had died, and so they send people to Peter 12 miles away and say, hey, Peter, we're going to inconvenience you. You've got to drop what you're doing here. You've got you to leave this miracle that's just happened, and will you come and check on this dead lady? And you put that in perspective. Peter's like one of the big dogs in the church. God's called him to be a leader. When he goes places, Christians listen. When he goes places, miracles happen. This is Peter. And all of a sudden, these no-names show up and say, we have a need. Will you help us? And what does Peter do? He knows with discernment what God's spirit is doing. And so he responds to the need of other people. He does the thing that makes sense. He doesn't hear the voice of God. He doesn't see an angel. He doesn't get a vision. He just does the thing that seems right. He can do something about it, and so he does it, and he responds. That's significant, and I don't want to make too much out of this, but watch this. When in chapter 9, Peter responds to the needs of people, then in chapter 11, God can trust him with visions from heaven. Once he knows that Peter has a heart to serve, that Peter has a heart to trust him, that Peter has a heart to be used by him, not based on his ego, not based on pride, but to humbly say, God, I'll do what you want me to do, that's when he can trust him with a vision from heaven. Does that make sense? So know this. This is significant. If you want to hear the voice of God, start by responding to the needs of people. If you want to hear the voice of God, then know this. God puts people as the priority. And so if there are people in your, in your orbit, if, if there are people in your family, in your church, and in your community, e even if God stirred in your heart as you heard about the pregnancy to center today, if God has already put people whose needs are in front of you and you can respond to those needs, God wants to know if you'll take the step to do what makes sense before he entrusts you with some kind of divine opportunity. Does that make sense? Like I've known people, none of them ever go to this church, but I've known people who are so super spiritual, 
that they spend so much time waiting to have an angel come and tell them what to do that they miss out on the thing that's right in front of them that God wants them to do. Look, love your family. Invest in your kids and grandkids. Live your life in a way that shows people the love of Jesus on the job, in your school, in your community. Do the things that scripture says to do. And when you start doing that, responding to the needs of people, then you'll be amazed at how God can entrust you with divine opportunities. Let's go back to the text. Peter Peter says this, verse 13 of Acts chapter 11. He told us, who's, who's this he? We'll come back to it in a minute. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon, who's called Peter. He'll bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. Who's, who's this man he talks about here? Well, if, if you remember the story from last week, or maybe you've read Acts chapter 10, it's this guy named Cornelius. And I want to go back to Acts chapter 10 because his story is so significant. Look at this, Acts chapter 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. And Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, and I think this is significant. Look at this. Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who's called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants, and he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. We could just read past that and think it's a bunch of details. Note a couple of things there. Peter has grown up as a very devout Jewish believer. He knows the scriptures. He was actually with Jesus. He's, he's a leader of the church in Jerusalem. And now he's face-to-face with Cornelius, who's not a Jew. He's a Gentile. He's actually a Roman who's oppressing them. He's actually a Roman soldier who's in charge of leading some of this oppression. He's from Italy himself. You don't get two more different people than Peter and Cornelius. Fisherman and fighter. Jew and Gentile, and you've got this challenge that has shown up here between the two of them. And this is what I want you to see, that God spoke as clearly to Cornelius as he spoke to Peter, because God desires to speak to everyone. There's times when I have conversations with people in in the atrium or in my office, and they're like, I don't know that God cares about me. I don't know that God has anything to say to me. I don't know that God wants to do anything in my life because of this or because of that. Look, Cornelius is a great reminder that God desires to speak to, to work through everyone. And then look at his life. It says that he was devout. He was a giver. He prayed to God. It says he, he prayed at three in the afternoon. That was like the regularly scheduled time to pray, right? And he, he was practicing these things. And here's what's so significant. Sometimes we do these little things We give or we serve or we do the things that are right and we wonder, does it make any difference? When I pray, does anybody hear that? When I obey God's word, when I help somebody out, when I'm faithful with my finances, does it make any difference at all? Look at this, Psalm 141 verse two. The psalmist says, may my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. The psalmist is saying, look, when I pray, it goes up to God. When I do the the things that might just seem like 
religious routine or just spiritual consistency, when I do those things, those things are actually going to God. They're, I believe they're collected by God. In fact, watch this. Go back to verse 30 of Acts chapter 10, the other story. It says, Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon, and suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Isn't that cool? Cornelius, you know those times you prayed and you wondered if it made any difference? Remember those times you helped other people out and you wondered what good was it? God heard that. He remembered that. It was like, it was like God stored that up. And now he's here and responding in line to your prayers and what you've done. Let me encourage you with this. Consistent spirituality leads to divine opportunity. When you consistently spend time in God's word, when you consistently make him a part of your day, when you consistently obey what his word says, you might not see it in the moment, but that consistent spirituality is gonna lead to divine opportunity in your life. Galatians chapter six, verse nine, Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. This is why Jesus said you're storing up treasures in heaven. Now look, I, I don't think it works like the reward card at your favorite coffee shop, right? I don't think an angel's got this little file box and every time you pray, they punch your card and after 10 prayers, you get a free miracle. Like, I don't think it works like that. And I don't know how God gauges these things. I just know that your prayers get his attention. And it, it, it almost has this idea that he's, kind of storing them up for the right moment in time when he can respond. Don't get weary in doing well. Your spiritual consistency is what leads to divine opportunity. One other thing that I think is important with that before we kind of wrap up here is um, God gives Cornelius such clear detail. He says, Cornelius, I got a guy I want you to talk to. His name's Peter. Sometimes they call him Simon. He's in Joppa. He's staying at the house of this guy named Simon. He's a tanner. He lives down by the sea. This is the guy I want you to talk to. He's going to tell you how your house can be saved. That's pretty, that's pretty intense detail, isn't it? So God has done something divine. By the hand of God, he has lined up Peter, who is miles away in Joppa, with Cornelius in Caesarea. The hand of God has spoken to both of them. The hand of God is going to bring them together. And if I was Cornelius, I would kind of expect God to say, Cornelius, I am sending to you this man named Peter. That God is going to do this miraculous thing. Instead, I like what God does. God says, Cornelius, there's this dude named Peter that you need to talk to. You send for him. You go and get him. I'm going to do something miraculous, but you got to do your part. I'm going to amaze you, but it's not going to happen unless you make it happen. See, sometimes we think God's work in our lives is just this thing that just kind of shows up, just kind of materializes out of thin air, when oftentimes God says, if you want to see my hand at work, it might mean a little elbow grease from you. Know this, and, and, and I've learned this in my own life, God's hand is often at the end of a human arm. Don't take that as belittling the hand of God. It's just a lot of times God says, I want to move with my hand, but you better move your arm to make it happen. And there are times when we miss what God wants to do because we won't do our part. Let's jump back in. Acts chapter 11, verse 15. Peter says, as I began to speak, 
The Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. And then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. That, that passage unlocks all kinds of theological teachings and questions and, and opportunity because the thing that sealed the deal for Peter was when he saw the Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit in the same way that the believers in Jerusalem had. Now, to kind of understand that, you have to go back and look at Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 8 because there's this pattern that happens all through the book of Acts that believers have this opportunity to receive a gift that God gives, to have this experience of what we would refer to as the baptism or the infilling with the Holy Spirit. We talked about this a year ago when we started the book of Acts. Does anybody remember about a year ago when we started the book of Acts? Some of you have been asleep since then, but you remember that, right? We, we started it. When we first started, we, we kind of did two series. One was called The Next Big Thing where we talked about this gift of the Holy Spirit. This is all online if you ever want to go back and check it out. We did another series called The Spirit-Filled Life, where we talked about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to experience this baptism with the Holy Spirit. I think it's significant for you to know that God desires to give to every believer the experience of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And, and if you're unfamiliar with that, you can go back and, and look. Uh, also, every, every time we have our vision and values seminar and sessions, that they start this Wednesday, the next two Wednesday nights. Um, if you're interested in this, we, we take a significant amount of time to talk about what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to, to walk in the Spirit, to live in this way? And if you've not taken part in vision and values, today's the last day. You can either sign up online or you can stop by the hub and sign up and learn a little bit more about what this means but what's so significant, what's, what's a deal maker here, is that Peter realizes that Jew and Gentile, they all have the same access to the Holy Spirit, that God loves everyone the same. Verse 34 of Acts chapter 10, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. God does not show favoritism, and neither should we. God looks at every person, sees them the same. They're equal before God. They have equal access to his Holy Spirit. Back in August, we, we took quite a bit of time to talk about the subject of racism. A very significant thought. That God has created all of us in the same way. And again, if your prejudice seems to be getting in your way, maybe that's a red flag of something that God wants to change in your life. Which, which leads me to just kind of one last thought. Can I, can I just, for the last few minutes that we have, just hone in on verse 17? Peter says, so if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus, listen to this line, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Isn't that an interesting question? Who was I to think? that I could stand in God's way. Look, let's be honest, I've been there. You've been there. God, I don't like what you're doing. God, I don't like what this means. 
God, I don't like the reality of this change or of this loss or of this tragedy. God, I don't like this moment. God, I don't like this season of life. God, I don't like this or that. God, I don't like that I might not be right about this. God, I don't like that I'm gonna have to rearrange my thinking to start thinking more like Jesus. God, I don't like. And so our natural response then is to try to get in God's way, to stop it, to try to change the change or hold on to what we've known. And those are difficult places to be. And the reality is there are times, and when I, when I thought about this, I just thought, and the Holy Spirit has to kind of unlock this for each one of us. But as I thought about this, I just wanted to ask the question, where is it that you're trying to stand in God's way? Instead of being in what he's doing, your natural response is to be in the way of what he's doing and to miss out on what he wants to do. Who are you to try to stand in God's way? We got two pets at our house. Um, we got several kids, but we got two pets. We got a dog, 10-year-old dog named Samson, and we got this almost a year-old little kitten named Sophie. I love Samson. And for some reason, this cat loves me. Like, this cat just can't get enough of me. So, like, first thing in the morning, we have this little routine, right? I'm usually the first one up and so when I get up, you know, I'll go to go downstairs, and, and Samson, he'll kind of get up and he'll shake because he knows that if I'm up, everybody gets to eat. So we're all going to go downstairs, and usually the cat joins in on this and stuff. Well, one day this last week, I got up, and I went to go down the stairs, and Samson kind of jumped up. He was ready. He was hungry, and so he, he gets ready to go down the stairs, and the dog is also slightly, significantly OCD. And we're not sure exactly what that means, but like when he goes down the stairs, he has to be all the way up against the wall. Like, he won't go where the railing is because he's going to fall through or something. I don't know. 70-pound dog, 80-pound dog, you know. But he's, So he's, he's all the way over here. And so he goes shooting down in front of me. All of a sudden, this cat comes out of nowhere. Like, the cat just shows up. And you can tell, you can tell when a cat's got something evil in mind, can't you? Like you just, I sensed, I gifted discernment. I sensed it in my spirit. And this cat goes shooting down the stairs, and you could watch as she like overtakes Samson going down the stairs, and she's looking at him, and she like, like just kind of jukes right in front of him. She like moves right in front of him like, I'm going to throw this dog off. Like, I'm going to stand in his way. And she like beats him down at the stairs and like turns around like, I dare you, dog. Keep coming. Six-pound cat, 80-pound dog. All of a sudden, she realizes the dog's not stopping. Like this dog's on his way to breakfast, and he's just moving. And I kind of watched her, and she kind of backed up a little bit, and then all of a sudden she was like, abort, abort. She was just gone, you know? Otherwise, you're going to get crushed by this dog. It's not wise to get in the way of an 80-pound dog named Samson, right? And it was interesting, and I thought about this when I thought of this. At some point, that cat had to realize, it is not wise for me to get in that dog's way. And Peter had to have a wake-up call. He had to have this moment, go back to his very words. He says, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? And I don't know what it is in your life, but my question, my challenge to you, who are you to think that you could stand in God's way? I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a place in your life where you need to change your thinking about something or someone. Maybe it's something that you know is in your life and it's not pleasing to God. 
And you know the Spirit has talked to you about changing that, that thought or that action or that practice or that habit or that relationship. Like, like it's time for you to change something about it, but you, you're, just, you're just resistant. You're holding back. And, and God's saying to you today, hey, don't stand in my way. Get in with what I'm doing. Tr- trust me in this. Be a part of what I'm doing. Don't, don't get in the way of what I'm doing. Maybe there's some place where you just know it's time to change your thinking or, or start thinking like Jesus. Or maybe it's even to the point that you've held on to your own life and you know that the Spirit of God is speaking to you about this is the right time for you to surrender your life to Christ, to stop living for yourself, to make Him your Savior and truly your Lord and entrust your life to Him. The question that Peter asks is the one that I think the Holy Spirit would ask you today. Who are you to think that you could stand in God's way? It's like a six-pound cat with an 80-pound dog. You're eventually going to be on the wrong end of that thing, aren't you? Unless you say, God, I don't want to be in your way. I want to be in your will. I want to be right where you are. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's not going to be time to repent. Maybe put aside some stubbornness to, to change some thinking in your life. But what if today's the day that God just so clearly has your attention and says, hey, I want you to join me in what I'm doing. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment? And today I'm not going to ask anybody to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or raise a hand. Just like the psalmist says in 139, I'm going to ask you to search your heart. And to say, God, is there, is there anything in my life that's not lining up with your best for me? It's not lining up with your will for me. Are there ways in which I'm living that don't honor Jesus who died for me to live for him? Lord, our desire is not to be in your way, but to be in your will. God, we thank you for your word that helps us, that shows us how we can live, that helps us to know how we can hear from you. God, that helps us to see how your life can be at work. God, we pray that you would help us to open up our hearts to your spirit's leading. Lord, for some of us, this this is exciting because on the other side of this is is new opportunity and new adventure and new new ways to see you at work. For others of us, it it may be opening up to a new season and trusting you, maybe even in the midst of, of, of fear or loss or pain. God, somehow, would you help us all to say, Lord, we trust you. We don't want to be in your way. We surrender ourselves to you. So God, thanks for your word. We ask that as we go from here that you'd go with us. Lord, would you send us out with your special favor, with your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.